Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome on in, Giants fans, to episode 147 of the Talk is Cheap podcast right here on NJ.com. As always, I'm Matt Lombardo, and I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Ryan Dunleavy. And Ryan, as we head down the turnpike to Washington, D.C. on Sunday against the Redskins, the Giants are looking to extend to a two-game winning streak. They're favored for the second time all season, and they're looking to win their first division game of the season. As we enter week 14 here, the Giants still have for one more week, a less than 1% chance of making the postseason. Yeah, Matt, I don't think it's even 1%, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't see it, but it's nice to be talking football again now that the uh, Giants have won three of their last four games and some of the other things around the team appear to be stabilized. It's nice to be talking football again with the Giants. Yeah, and the Giants have an opportunity here because as they roll into FedEx Field, it will be not Colt McCoy, not Alex Smith, the quarterback, but Mark Sanchez. And we'll get into some of the matchups later on that kind of favor the Giants in this game. But if you like what you hear, we would love it if you would subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and YouTube, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you love what you hear, we would love it if you would leave us a five-star review. It helps us grow the show and lets us know what you like and what you don't like. Ryan, a five-star review from CERNIG11. He says, I guess this is a bit overdue, especially since I've already gotten a shout-out on the show, but Matt and Ryan are easily my favorite people to listen to when it comes to all things Giants. They're truly insightful, fair, and actually very funny as well. Being in Charlotte, I don't get much Giants love, so I look forward to each episode, and I hope the pair continues for as long as possible. Thanks, guys, and go Big Blue. Funny. They think we're funny, Ryan. Yeah, I try to be funny. I got to admit, I, I I think it's what my lo- wife loves best about me is my sense of humor. It certainly isn't my good looks, as some Giants fan pointed out with a Jerry Reese icon, by the way. Got to take took a shot at how I look when he has another man's icon as his Twitter icon. So uh must be nice to hide behind that. But yeah, sense of humor, funny. We're funny. Charlotte's a cool city. Uh, thanks for the five star review. Yeah, the one thing I remember about Charlotte is the beautiful golf course I played on at the Ballantine Hotel, Ballantine Country Club. Beautiful course. Maybe we'll get back there someday. But Might be Gi- next year if they both finish in last place. Could be. Could very well be. I'll get my tee time ready to head on back. Uh, but, Ryan, I think the news of the week and where we should start off this podcast is the fact that the Giants are going to Washington without one of their top locker room leaders, one of their best defensive players, and that's Landon Collins. He entered this week with 96 tackles, leading the team heading into week 14. But he won't make the trip because he's not going to play another down this season. Tore his labrum, requires season-ending surgery, and this really couldn't come at a worse time for the Giants or for Collins because he's due to be an unrestricted free agent when the new league year begins on March 13th. Yeah, I think we learned about the business of the game, uh, Matt. I think it was a good reminder 
uh, especially for fans. Landon Collins is a guy who didn't hold out like uh, Earl Thomas or didn't hold out like Le'Veon Bell. He didn't, you know, uh, make it all about the money like Odell Beckham. Uh, he just came to work knowing he was, you know, relatively underpaid, making about a million dollars a year when he's probably a $10 million a year player um, and put his body in harm's way, never wanted to miss a snap, fought his way back into games, did everything to put the team first. Uh, his On teammates love him. For, yep. Yeah, his teammates love him for that. Um, and now he's got to go into free agency, whether it's with the Giants or another team, and answer a bunch of questions about is he going to be the same player after health? That's that's what you don't want to see. It's every free agent's worst nightmare. Yeah, it really is. But I think that the league is starting to shift. And to get a feel for how this might play out for Collins in the long term as a free agent, I reached out to several agents, reached out to a former CEO of an NFL team, the Oakland Raiders. And the sense that I got from one agent who has a couple of clients on the Giants roster right now is that it's not going to have any impact, that if this were a torn ACL, if this were a hip injury, if this were something more severe, it, it might be an issue. But because it's a shoulder and because we're orthopedic surgeons have gotten so good with repairing torn labrums, this shouldn't be an issue or a cause for concern for Landon Collins. Uh, Joel Corey of CBS Sports, who is a former agent in his own right, he's a salary cap analyst and really understands the league in terms of contract negotiations and dollars and cents and all of those things. He pointed to Matt Khalil and he pointed to Allen Robinson as two contracts where Collins can kind of take a deep breath and a sigh of relief. You look at Allen Robinson's situation last year, tears his ACL in week one. He's a wide receiver where the ACL obviously plays a key role in the skill set. No matter to the Chicago Bears, they signed him for three years, $42 million. So while Collins certainly needs to fight his way back, the sense that I got, Ryan, is that around the league, this might not be as big a deal in three months as maybe we thought it is or think it is right now. Yeah, it's probably a four to six month recovery for Landon. Uh, but look, like I say, he's a young kind of franchise defensive player. I think he's exceptional against the run and playing in the box. He obviously needs to improve his pass coverage as Tariq Cohen exposed with the Bears this past week. Uh, but he's a really good player, a really good leader, a first time captain for the Giants. Landon has made it clear. Landon's given up any kind of negotiating uh, tactic. He wants to be with the Giants. He wants to play his whole career here, which is kind of refreshing for a guy to say, right? It's uh, it's kind of refreshing to hear when the way free agency has become in all sports today. So, um, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it probably won't be a big deal. He's still like 23 or 24 years old. When you think that's crazy, when you think about how many miles he's already put on at career games, he's already played. Um, yeah, so I think it probably won't be a big deal. The one thing they could do, Matt, is franchise tag him. And for the quick explanation, if you don't know uh, that that means you get a one year kind of prove it contract at a salary that's commensurate with the top five salaries in uh, the NFL at your, your position. position. And yep. you can only do teams can only put that on one guy per season. Uh, the giants could do that with Landon Collins, prevent him from going to free agency uh, in 2019, delay it till 2020. And this way they get a look at how his shoulder is healed and what kind of player he is. And then Landon gets his $11 million uh, next year. The one thing being there, though, Matt, is that that's not salary cap friendly for a team that already has quite a lot of guys in the 11 to $20 million salary cap hit range. 
Correct. And that's where I think that a lot of people are pointing towards the franchise tag being an option. And that very well might be how this plays out. But I look at Landon Collins' situation and I think that you look at $11 million or $10.5 million, wherever that figure winds up coming in at for the franchise tag, that's a lot for the Giants to absorb on a one-year deal rather than spreading that out on a three- or four-year contract. And you can, you know, wiggle with the, the cap figures and manage them in terms of how you distribute the signing bonus and how you structure the guaranteed money. Uh, to me, I, I think it's more likely that Collins plays elsewhere than it is that they use the franchise tag on him, given how many needs they have at priority positions. You talk about offensive tackle. You talk about potentially signing a veteran quarterback if you don't draft one in the first round. You talk about maybe bringing in a high-priced offensive guard. That's a lot of money. Cornerback is another spot after you traded away Eli Apple, and who knows what Janoris Jenkins' future holds. $11 million for one year is a lot to invest in one spot when you have that many needs. I, I hate playing the uh, hot sitting on the fence, but so I'm going to kind of jump off the fence, like take a soft leap off the fence. I disagree with you that Landon Collins is more likely to play elsewhere. But I here's what I think. I think he's likely to play elsewhere if Olivier Vernon, Janoris Jenkins, and Eli Manning are all on the team next year. I don't think that'll be the case. I think at least one of those three guys will be gone. And I think the salary cap savings, even though there's dead money, I think the savings from one of his three teammates is what's going to end up keeping Landon Collins here. Yep, I think that's absolutely fair. And I think that when you project out what Landon Collins' free agency is going to look like, what kind of interest he's going to garner, not only from the Giants, but from 31 other teams, it's not going to be the shoulder injury that's the biggest concern. It's going to be his ability or lack thereof in coverage. You look around the NFL, Ryan, we all can see this is a passing league, right? Teams are putting the ball in the air 30, 35, 40 times per game. And Chase Daniel made no bones about the fact that he was targeted Landon Collins. Chase Daniel of the Chicago Bears was having success in the passing game deep over the top, matched up one-on-one against Collins. He's a box safety and a very good one at that, up against the run, rushes the passer a little bit. He's as physical as they come, but, but he lacks that pass coverage component that I think is a prerequisite to being an elite safety in this league. Don't get me wrong. There's no disrespect to Landon College. I think I think he's a tremendous safety. I don't think he's one of the two or three best at his position, which is where the franchise tag would pay you and is where someone like Earl Thomas is likely to reside on his next deal. See, I think he probably is one of the two or three best strong safeties in the NFL. Now for just looping safety together, which the franchise tag does and which, you know, some position ratings will do then he's not, not if you include free safeties, because he obviously, like you said, struggles in pass coverage, uh, strong safety he probably is. Cause that's more of a run stopping position. What I want to see Landon Collins, whether it's with the giants or with somebody else, I want to see him play next to a good center fielder type free safety. Curtis Riley is not that he's had a miserable season for the giants. Um, uh, Andrew Adams and Darian Thompson, the guys he played with his first two seasons, they were okay, but neither one of them was, you know, gonna, neither one of them was a Pro Bowl caliber safety or even a, you know, uh, legitimate and proven NFL starting safety. I want to see him with that guy. I want to see him with the guy, if not a Pro Bowler, a guy who started in this league for five or six years who can cover center field and let Landon do the things Landon does well. Then I'd like to see what Landon could do in that defense. And let's call it what it is. Either way, he's still probably the Giants' best defensive player. Even limited in one capacity, he's probably their best defensive player. 
Totally agree. And again, I'm not taking anything away from Collins. I'm just saying in his skill set, his inability in coverage, I think, hurts him in terms of his overall value. Exactly. And and I think that as the Giants, if they continue to win games, if they beat Washington on Sunday, if they beat one of the following three games, whether it's against Tennessee at home, at Indianapolis, or a Week 17 game against Dallas that might mean everything for the Cowboys or might mean nothing to the Cowboys – you're getting further and further away from the Nick Boses and the Cleland Farrells and the Justin Herberts and Dwayne Haskinses if they both come out. And you're looking at a pick somewhere in that 8 to 12 range. You look at a guy like Deontay Thompson coming out of Alabama. I think that he's a guy that could yep. make a lot of sense for the Giants and would really fit the mold not only of an all-crimson tide secondary in terms of the safety position, but a free safety who can allow Collins to flash his skill set and not necessarily become that liability in coverage that offensive coordinators target as they have over the last several years yeah i I agreed there i I just think that the uh way the giants play this out will be very telling for the offseason but there's a football uh game to be played uh oh actually you know what else there is matt there's a quarterback uh there's a quarterback discussion did you know the giants have quarterbacks other than eli manning on the team i don't know if we've talked about that at all on this podcast. Do the Giants know that? I'm not I'm not sure if the Giants know that there are quarterbacks <laughs> other than one that wears number ten. Yeah. That's right? a good point. I mean, if, if, before Landon Collins' surgery, the biggest news of Sunday, other than the win of course, uh, is the fact that the Giants Six days after Pat Shermer comes out and asks the media, well, why are you jumping over Alex Tanney? Well, he jumps over Alex Tanney and makes Kyle Loretta the number two quarterback uh, on the roster, activates him on game day for the first time. And all of that seems to be pointing to, and this is me reading between the lines here, that as soon as that chance for the playoffs to make the postseason for the Giants dips below .0001 and goes to 0000, and they join the Oakland Raiders, of the teams that have been eliminated from postseason contention, whether that's losing to Washington on Sunday, losing to Tennessee in a week, that tells me that the Giants are inching closer and closer to playing Loretta. But I don't think Kyle Loretta takes an actual snap until that chance to make the postseason is finito, done, over with, and the epitaph has been written <laughs> on the 2018 season. Yes, I agree with you 100%. I think that's the reading between the lines takeaway from this week on the quarterback thing is Manning's going to take every snap that matters and maybe some that don't. I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants went on the Patrick Mahomes plan, which is what, uh, you know, Shermer kind of mentioned unprompted this week uh, about how his mentor, Andy Reid, handled Mahomes last year. You know, they groomed him behind the scenes and then they played him in the season finale. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if that's what the Giants did with Laletta, just gave him one game at the end of the season. That would not surprise me at all. Um, so there's a big uh, difference. Yeah, there. There's, a, yeah, there's the diff- a significant difference here. Well, there's Patrick two Mahomes significant differences. Patrick Mahomes is chosen with the number 10 pick in the draft. He was yeah. chosen with the intention of becoming a franchise quarterback. And Andy Reid went through a situation with Donovan McNabb where he went the opposite tact. He played Donovan McNabb after yeah. eight weeks, played him in the second half of games when Doug Peterson uh, and the Eagles were getting blown out, also with yep. the intention of McNabb ultimately being the franchise quarterback. We don't know that Kyle Loretta is going to be the franchise yeah. quarterback. And uh, that's what was on that staff, Twitter. too. Yes, he was. He was the quarterback coach um, that year in 1999. And this is where people on Twitter, I think, get things a little bit misconstrued. I'm not, you know, setting it in stone that Kyle Loretta is a franchise quarterback. Neither am I. 
But yeah. the reason why you have to play him is that you have to find out if he's a franchise quarterback before you get into the 2019 NFL draft. And I think that Kyle Oletta is an unknown at this point. But the further and further you get into the regular season without playing Kyle Oletta, the, the more difficult it becomes to judge what you have in him and if you need to take Herbert or Haskins or Greer or Kyler Murray or any of these other quarterbacks that might be coming out in the draft in April. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, listen, by no means am I saying Kyle Loletta is better than Eli Manning right now. That He's not. By no means am I saying he is the answer for the future. I do not know that, and I'd be surprised if he is. I just think it's time to get an evaluation. I just, The same way you're getting one on Grant Haley or Sean Chandler or... Um, RJ McIntosh. Yeah, same way. You, it's just, it's, it's time. And if you want to play the playoffs... Uh, semantic game on elimination. I, I guess I, I guess I understand that. I guess if you're talking two games versus three or three versus four, it ain't going to be eight. It ain't going to be 10. We're past it that point. It might wind point, up so. being one or two. It might wind yeah. up being one or two because if the Giants win on Sunday, which I think they have a pretty good chance at doing, you've now put back yourself into a corner where the owner has admitted that it was a mistake not to play Davis Webb. People behind the scenes in the Giants organization have talked about their desire to see Kyle Laletta on the field this year. You've backed yourself into a corner that if the Giants beat Washington and are still alive heading into Tennessee and they have a .01 instead of a .0001 chance of making the postseason, now you have to play Eli Manning against the Tennessee Titans and you're down to a road game against the Colts and the home finale against Dallas to get on the field. So, Ryan, as we've kind of, you know, talked about throughout the course of the year, made predictions and all of these things, as we sit here going into week 14, what's your gut tell you? Does Kyle Lalletta play in 2018, rather, or do the Giants go an entire season without Lalletta taking a snap? I think he'll play. my gut says he'll play but not start. That's my – well, probably play in two, the last two games, but I don't think I'll start either one. That's my, that's my gut. What do you think? See, that's interesting because I think that if he plays at all, it will be starting in week 17 against the Cowboys because at this point I think the Giants again they, they've set themselves up that as long as they're trying to win games and have a reason to win games in 2018 they're going to stick with Eli Manning and even though Manning did not look like an NFL quarterback in the first half on Sunday did not look like a better quarterback than Chase Daniel in the first half on Sunday they, they won the game in overtime right they beat the number one overall defense in the league and you got to give Eli Manning credit for what he did in that game even though Saquon Barkley rushed for. I didn't think Manning was very good in that game. I gotta tell you, I, I mean, I had this out on Twitter with a couple. But I did not. I thought that was one of his worst games of the season. Yeah, I, but I think that when you go up against that defense, you have to kind of tailor your expectations to what the quarterback's going to give you, and you need to manage the game. And I thought in the second half in the overtime period when they committed to running the football. I thought that Eli in game managing mode obviously did enough to win the game. Now, he didn't put the game on their back and win it, win it for them, but the offense did score 23 points against a Bears defense that's the best in the league right now. Yeah. Um, look, I think uh, we've probably spent enough time on this quarterback thing, but right now we should probably do this on every podcast for that we do until the decision is made. Right now, in a you know 30 seconds or less, is Eli Manning on the 2019 roster, and is he the starting is he the starting quarterback or someone else? 
Yeah, I'm going to go in a complete role reversal here in in terms of what I've said all year long. I'm going to answer yes to both of those questions because I think that the Giants have played their way out of the conversation for either Justin Herbert, if he comes out out of Oregon, out of the Dwayne Haskins conversation, because you're not going to be picking in the top five. You're going to be picking in the top eight to 12 picks, and there are going to be a lot of teams that are needing quarterbacks at the top of the board. You don't know what the Oakland Raiders are thinking about Derek Carr. You certainly have to believe that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to move mountains to get a quarterback. You don't know that Washington isn't going to be in a position where they're going to mortgage their future to go get a quarterback, given their issues with Alex Smith. And I think Sad the Giants today, yeah. Terrible yeah. news that he might not play again because of that broken broken fibula and tibula. So Infection, Ryan, yeah. Infections and the whole thing stemming from the surgery. Terrible news for Smith. But my point here is there are suddenly an influx of teams that need quarterbacks who are going to be picking around the same range as the Giants. And I think you're looking at a possibility where they could restructure Eli Manning's deal and bring him back in 2019 or beyond. Now, I don't think that that's the right move, but I think that if you're asking me on December 5th, 2018, what the most likely move is for the quarterback it's going to be that Eli Manning is here for the Giants yeah. in 2019. yeah I think that I don't again I think I've made it clear I don't think that's the right move but I do think that's right now where I think things are headed Yep. And just to spin it forward to Sunday, Ryan, uh, we'll get into the game and some of the key matchups. But, but where are you at in terms of the Giants going into this game and their chances of coming out with a victory and Pat Shermer's first division victory as an NFC East head coach? I think they'll win the game. I mean, I think we saw there was very little difference between these two teams when they met at the Meadowlands earlier this year. The Redskins had Alex Smith that day. The Giants are better now than they were then, mostly because of the offensive line. Um, that was a, one of those games, like so many this season, where it was low scoring and close at the end of the third quarter. Then Adrian Peterson ripped off a long touchdown run, and then the Giants got garbage points at the end of the game. Uh, I think the Giants are probably better at, uh, uh, right now than the Redskins are with Mark Sanchez, the Sanchez. So, um, I think that, you know, but look, it's going to depend on the Giants secondary without Landon Collins. I mean, Curtis Riley, Michael Thomas, um, and uh, Sean Chandler are going to have to step up. And it's a good matchup, I think, for the Giants because the Redskins are probably going to want to run the ball with Adrian Peterson and try to keep it low scoring. And I think the Giants probably uh, will be able to have a good enough defense to shut down a one dimensional offense. Yeah, and you watch that game on Monday night between Washington and the Eagles, and, and there just wasn't – they didn't get any production out of the quarterback position, whether it was Colt McCoy early before he broke his leg or Mark Sanchez late. They couldn't move the football. And you look at Adrian Peterson. He rattled off a 90-yard touchdown run, one of the longest – I believe it was the longest runs of his career. He had a lot of success, had, I believe, a 75-yard touchdown run against the Giants earlier this season. They're going to have to stop the run, and this is a much different Giants front seven than the one that took the field against Washington, Damon Harrison, their best run stuffer at the time, no longer here. So I, I think that's where this game is going to be won and lost. But I think that the Giants just have a lot more going on offense right now than they did the last time these teams met. The offensive line is better. Saquon Barkley coming off a 125-yard rushing game against the Bears defense that was only allowing 80 yards per game. Uh, you look at Odell Beckham Jr., he's played much better over the last three or four weeks than he did in the first half of the season. I think this is a team that's firing on all cylinders offense offensively right now and this is a Redskins team that I think is not only searching for an identity but 
it's it's hard to win games as the Giants saw in the first half of the season when you're not getting competent, consistent quarterback play, and the Redskins just aren't right now. Yeah, two things, and like we could say this every week, especially in most football games, but especially with the Giants, is I just think the game comes down to the line of scrimmage. Uh, Olivier Vernon looked like he woke up. He was criticized pretty heavily last week, and maybe that's a shot in the arm. Maybe it's a coincidence, but he had definitely his best game in probably two years with two sacks, five tackles, force, I think a forced fumble. Uh, definitely his most disruptive game. The Giants need more out of that because their pass rush is so light. And then on the offensive side of the ball, I think it was mostly Nate Solder, but did a really good job against Khalil Mack. Uh, the inside of the Giants line held up enough uh, against guys like Hicks. Uh, the Giants have to do that because the Redskins and Matt Ioannidis was, I think, the number one guy. But the Redskins had, what was it, seven sacks against the Giants earlier this yep. year. I mean, that, if that happens again, forget it. You can That 1% playoff chance goes up in smoke. Yep, no, and I think that when you look at Olivier Vernon, he had a big game last week. B.J. Hill from the interior, he had three sacks last week. But that matchup with Vernon versus Trent Williams, that's going to really dictate what the Giants are able to do on defense. And I think the Giants got a little bit of a boost here because Williams has been banged up. He was dealing with a, a broken thumb that I believe he suffered in that first game against the Giants. It's kind of been nagging him the last several weeks. He was up, upgraded to questionable going into the Eagles game. Uh, did okay in that that game but again the Eagles might have the best defensive line in football um, the Giants certainly are building towards that with the talent they have in the front seven I, I agree with you I think this could be a monster game from Vernon the matchup that I can't wait to see though Ryan is Odell Beckham Jr. against Josh Norman Norman had a really nice game the other night against Alshon Jeffrey and last time I believe Odell Beckham Jr. was held to just 38 yards receiving how do you see that matchup playing out this time it's funny that they have such a history together as we detailed, you know, the last time these teams met. And then it wasn't even really a storyline that day. There was no antics. There were, neither one had made a game changing play or anything. It was just kind of bleh. So, uh, I expect a little more fireworks on both sides of the ball, probably in this game. There's, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Giants are a little more awake, uh, I think than they were then. So. Uh, look, I think like it is at most times, Odell matches up with a cornerback with a top cornerback. I think they'll both win their share. Wouldn't be surprised if Odell had a touchdown. He's seems to be finding the end zone more frequently. Heck, I wouldn't be surprised if Odell threw a touchdown. So, um, yeah. And I think, you know, Norman will win his share. Like you said, he's people forget about him now that he's in Washington. They don't talk about him the same way they talked about him when he was in Carolina. But for my money, he's still one of the top cornerbacks in the league so I think he'll probably win his share wouldn't be surprised if he had a couple big pass breakups on Odell Yep, and I think that that's where someone like Sterling Shepard, if he's able to go, he suffered that rib injury last week. Um, if he's able to play and if he's able to contribute, that's where I think that Eli Manning uh, can feast a little bit with all the attention that's paid to Odell Beckham over the top and that matchup going on with Josh Norman. This has the potential to be a, a big game for Sterling Shepard, but his availability seems to be up in the air after that injury. Yep, exactly. And Evan Ingram's another guy who's available. He's up in the air. He's Snaps went a little down because Red Olson went up as the Giants became more of a running team. But if Ingram plays, I mean, he uh, we saw against the Bucks, he can still make big plays over them. It's almost like he should be the number three receiver on this team. Uh, but yeah, he's another guy. If he plays, I think opens up the middle of the field for the Giants. So really depends what weapons are here and there because it, it we've seen as spectacular as Barkley and Beckham are, they can't do it by themselves.
No, but I think that you look at this game and this matchup in particular, you have a Redskins team that's averaging a little more than 100 yards per game allowed on the ground. And you look at Barkley coming in with the chance to become the first Giants rookie running back to surpass a thousand yards in franchise history. He's still on pace to eclipse over 2000 all purpose yards. He has 12 touchdowns coming into the game, third in the league in all purpose yards behind Todd Gurley and Ezekiel Elliott. This is a game where I think that Barkley could rush for 140 or 150 yards if the Giants commit to the run game early on. You know that he's good for a big breakout performance, but I think you're starting to see, especially on that 22-yard game at the end of the first half and the big run at the start of overtime, that when you commit to him, he's starting to have fewer negative runs, and you're starting to get him into a rhythm where the ground game is becoming a focal point of the offense, which is why I don't think that it's a coincidence that Eli Manning had a big game against Tampa Bay, and you saw... Uh, the running game really carry the Giants past the Bears last week. Yeah, I mean, look, I sometimes football, we overcomplicate it. I, the only time the Giants have lost in the last four games is the game Saquon got like 13 touches and Pat Shermer forgot about him in the second half of the game against the Eagles. I mean, that's that. it's really that simple. The last four games, Saquon's had a lot of touches. The Giants win. He hasn't had a lot of touches. The Giants lost. I mean, it's really that simple. I, as the Giants are playing the Redskins this week, we'd be remiss not to talk on one of the other storylines of this week, which is as the Redskins have Adrian Peterson at like a million dollar salary uh, signed in August, maybe playing at a Pro Bowl level, the Giants are putting a Jonathan Stewart on injured reserve. Uh, Stewart and Peterson are both 30, 30, plus, 31 years old plus running backs. Uh, Peterson was a great signing by the Redskins, obviously a steal, a bargain for his production. Jonathan Stewart's exactly what people were afraid he was going to be when the Giants signed him, which is, uh, you know, a free agent bust that proves the 31 year old running backs have too many miles on their tires. Uh, a miss by Dave Gettleman through a salary of like $3 million. Uh, and really there was never a role for, as soon as the Giants drafted Barkley and let's be fair, the Giants signed Stewart before they drafted Barkley. There's a scenario in this world where Stewart and Goldman were the running backs on this team. If the Browns had drafted Barkley, um, but yes, once they drafted Barkley, Stewart's role was never really going to be big. And he's going to finish with six carries for 17 yards in his one season with the Giants. So yeah, it might be a little unfair to compare Stewart and Peterson apples and oranges, but really to me, it's not, it's the Giants could have had a guy like Peterson. They went with Stewart in March and it, and it's worked out about as bad as could be expected. Yeah. And I got to, you know, pat myself on the back here and I'm going to try not to, you know, break my wrist while doing so. But I remember taking a lot of heat on Twitter for pointing out back in the spring that it looked like Jonathan Stewart looked like a quote unquote plotting running back uh, trying to hang on for one last deal and looked like he lost a step because that was evident from the first couple of days of practice. Yeah, he does not look like the same running back. And I think that this is one where Dave Gettleman and the Giants simply whiffed. And obviously, Stewart was brought here for a significantly different reason than Adrian Peterson with Washington. And you remember that the Redskins, I believe, signed Peterson after Darius Geis was lost for the year with a torn ACL. So he had a a much larger role in the offense. But there's no real defending this signing, whether it was as a role player, whether it was as a contributor. Stewart did not live up to those expectations of that deal right from Jump Street. Yeah, and let's just 
why are they talking about this? Why are Matt and Ryan talking about Jonathan Stewart? One thing, one reason I think it's uh, important, and you know, as we wrap up here, is the Giants. Dave Gettleman. That was an emotional, subjective signing for him. He was with, um, he was with Stewart Carolina. in Carolina when he was the general manager. Uh, he obviously knew him, personal relationship. Uh, so there was some subjectivity there. There was a guy he knew. You know, some sentimentality. It's exactly what the Giants can't do this offseason. Whether it's with Eli Manning or Vernon or any Collins, it's exact. The NFL is a cold business. The NFL Giants have to make some cold hearted decisions this season. Uh, they can't make more, you know, uh, sentimental decisions like the Stewart one, I believe, was. Very well put. Very well said. Ryan, before we get out of here, let's get your pick for Sunday. Did I send it to you yet? I don't believe. <laughs> I bel- uh, look. I most people are picking the Giants. I certainly think the Giants could win. So I'm doing this off the cuff here because I don't think I've actually made it yet. I'm going to pick the Redskins, something like 21-20, uh, for the Giants to win this game. Certainly could happen. I just my my theory is that I just think the uh, the Redskins will probably win the game. They have more to play for rally around Alex Smith and the, the news about him that we discussed earlier. Uh, I, I just think the Redskins probably bounce back and, and win a tight game. Wow. I just don't see it that way. I think that when you look at Mark Sanchez, at quarterback, you look at the issues that Washington had moving the ball against the Eagles on Monday night. I don't see any quick fixes to that with Sanchez and Josh Johnson or whoever else has to come in the game if they face a doomsday scenario with Sanchez also getting hurt. And I think the Giants are running the ball and moving the ball well enough offensively to kind of dictate to Washington for the first time, maybe since the Tampa Bay game, that they've been able to really dictate a game to an opponent. Uh, I like the Giants in this one. I think they put up some points. I think they win the game. Uh, 23 to 16. I think it's going to be one of those ugly knockdown, drag them out NFC East games. And, you know, we're going to be back on this podcast next week, Ryan, talking about the Giants uh, 0.2211% <laughs> chance at making the playoffs heading into a game against Tennessee at MetLife Stadium. Yeah. Now, look, if that's the case, then what we'll really be talking about probably is missed opportunities. The Carolina game, the Eagle game, the games that the Giants could be what would be that? What would they be then? Six and six instead, or six and seven instead of five and eight, something like that. Yeah, seven and six instead of five and eight. Yeah, I mean, it's almost to the point now. We we went from talking about a top five draft pick to oh wow, imagine if they got this break or that break, we'd be talking about the playoffs. But that's how bad, or maybe mediocre is a better word, the NFC is right now, except for the Saints and Rams. Yep, and especially in this division where you look at the Eagles-Cowboys game basically going to decide the division race between two teams that are struggling to stay above 500. Um, Ryan, look forward to Sunday at FedEx Field. We'll see you then. Uh, be sure to follow Ryan on Twitter. He's at R.Y. Dunleavy. I'm at Matt Lombardo NFL. And, of course, you can follow the show at Talk is Cheap NYG on Twitter. We appreciate you listening, and please subscribe on Apple uh, Podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. Ryan, I'll talk to you next week, and I'll see you in D.C.